Thank you for tuning in to Game Investing Radio. Today is late November 2021, and WADA just dropped the first population report for NES mostly sealed video games. The Clubhouse gang has been talking about this for hours. Um, It's the hottest topic in the hobby right now. If you're listening to this in the future, this is basically the first time we've had significant data in the hobby. So up until now, we were flying blind pretty much compared to all the other hobbies, including comics, coins, cards, etc. So in celebration of this clarity, I guess, we're beginning to see what's out there in the hobby, especially for people coming in, you know, over from other hobbies or investment alternative arenas, industries, businesses, whatever, even, you know, around the world. Again, if you're new to the podcast, we primarily focus on the American market, but uh, we have new people coming in every day from everywhere around the world. So this data can really help the whole world of collecting video games. But I'm going to go ahead and celebrate today by starting a new season. This is going to be season six, episode one. From now on, we actually have some glasses. We have data we can do homework on. We can make educated guesses. Our speculative investing can be a little more smarter starting today. And in the future, hopefully we can get a lot smarter. But that means there's going to be less volatility. There's going to be less opportunity on both sides, on the upside and the downside. And we're going to see more of a mature market in the future to where everybody has access to to the same data. We have more marketplaces and you're going to be able to make decisions based on how you want to put together your portfolio. And I think the reason we need to start a new season is because up until now, let's think about what this podcast was about. Season one was basically stumbling around, jumping into the graded game hobby, figuring out where the podcast might have gone. Season two was basically the run-up of WADA Graded Games and Heritage. Season 3 was after making several mistakes, getting more comfortable investing in four-figure games. Season 4 and 5 were basically the run-up and acceleration as we had multiple world records go off and new platforms come into the hobby. Those were key events that happened. Mostly, it was Heritage Signature, but once Golden entered the game, we had a new season. I do believe that was the last Season 5. We had Golden, we had Minus Worlds capping Season 5. So I think Season 6 is basically, we can take off the beer goggles, we can put on the spectacles, we can sit down, grab a glass of wine, for me it's a glass of water, grab a beer, print out download, whatever you need to do, spend a little time, turn off your notifications, turn off all your social media, pull up the WADA website, click on view pop report and do a little homework. If you're investing, you need to do a little homework. And that's why Warren Buffett is the best investor in the world. You know what he does every day? He reads 500 pages of mostly annual reports, data, spreadsheets, graphs, explanations, numbers. I had a professor in uh, our business school who said he was a tough he was a tough cookie. He either gave A's or F's and he said that's how business works. You either get an A or an F. 
you either make a good investment or you lose money, right? He said that it took a while for it to sink in. I was running a little eBay, Amazon thing back then, used books, whatever, some sports cards. But he was right. You either make money or you lose money at the end of the game when you're game investing or whatever you're doing. And he said in business, the, the language of business was not words. And he called words blah, blah, blah. He talked about math. He talked about numbers. And he said, if you don't put a number every 10 words when you hand in a report, you're going to get an F. You fail because you're just blah, blah, blah. And I think that's what happened today. I think now, you know, for the last, let's say, 12 years if you're in VGA, but you actually you had population ports if you requested them and you're really smart. Shout out to any old guard that's listening that actually took the time to email VGA, get hard data before making an investment. You are a master, okay? But for most of us, we were flying blind. We were doing this emotionally. We were going with what we heard on social media, what we read, what we saw, what we thought was out there, not, you know, not including maybe the VGA population, the CIB population or whatever it may be, global population, other regions, unlicensed, licensed, all the stuff that Clubhouse was talking about today, all good points. But I think, you know, this is going to be a hundred hour episode if we go into all the possibilities with the pop report. So I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense that now we have data. Now we can start using numbers. When you post something on eBay, when you put it on Minus Worlds, you might just want to put in the notes. This is a pop three. This is a pop four. This is top of the pop. This is top 10%. This is one of six. This is one of eight. The rest of them, you know, 80% of them are up to this grade. This is top 10%. Whatever. Use some numbers because let's face it, if you are investing, it's all about the numbers. And I think uh, Warren Buffett, at the end of the day, he spends, you know, all day long probably managing his team and reading reports, drilling down on numbers. And what he's looking for is an undervalued investment. Basically, that means here's the Warren Buffett strategy in a nutshell. He comes up with a valuation of the target of the company. In other words, all the stock times whatever he thinks the share price should be. He comes up with a number. Then he does, you know, this is after he does his all, his all his homework and reading. He comes up with a number. Then he goes and checks the stock. And then he says, well, if my number is below where we're at in the market or where we've been in the, you know, short term or whatever, this might be something we want to take a look at. And he probably hands it off to his team to do the due diligence. But what I'm saying is that it comes down to one number. It's, it's, 500 pages of information, boiling it down to one number, valuation. And that's kind of what we can do today. We can look at the pop report. We can say, well, I'm thinking about this, that, Snow Brothers, CIB, uh, First Print, Sealed, High Sealed. What's the highest sealed? Then you've got your target, right? Scribble it on a napkin and then scribble, scribble on your napkin. Do you want to chase a trophy? Do you want to chase an investment? Or do you want to collect this game? And I'm going to start using the word slab instead of game because PSA is pumping out 40,000 slabs per day. And we just got a pop report with less than 8,000 dated, you know, Halloween 2021. And it's like God is talking to us from the top of the mountain. But let's keep it in perspective. This isn't a whole lot of data. There's all different ways to interpret this. I can go on and on and on and on. But I think the most important thing for the entire hobby up until this point has been trophies. And I think that's the conversation that I want to have today. I will try to make 
more and more content that can help the collector and investor. But I think the most important takeaway under the assumption that this pop report is out of date and it's a living organism that includes cross data, which obviously includes VGA for 12 years. And I'm assuming maybe 10,000 slabs, maybe more. How many of those are in this pop report? We don't know. Dan Riga says a lot. We don't know what a lot means, but I bet there's many games on the higher end that used to be in a VGA case. So you can't just say there's 8,000 NES games in slabs. You're going to have to make your own call. You're going to have to be your own Warren Buffett. You're going to have to do your own research. This is part of the game. This is a very big piece, though. So let's use this pop report today and let's do a little trophy hunting. Let's pull back a little bit of the history. Look at a few, you know, heritage signatures. Look at maybe a golden piece. Look at some NES and see if the market was legitimate back in the day when either nobody knew the pop report or some people had VGA. Let's say emailed pops for specific targets or titles. Um, most of us were guessing based on what we heard on social media or clubhouse. So I'm not saying everyone was flying blind, but I would say all of us had beer goggles, right? I mean, nobody really knew if, you know, Super Mario World 9-4 was top of the pop. People would say, well, I've never seen a 9-8, but no one would say, I've never seen a 9-6. You know, well, some people would say, I've never seen a 9-8 or a 9-6. So we don't know, but now we do know on NES up through October 31st what slabs came through the leading grading company in, let's say, 2020-2021. They were acquired by Collector's Universe, the president, Dennis Kahn, if you're new to the hobby, comes from a long time collecting family. I think his father's a comic book dealer and he jumped into video games at a very young age. So he was doing business in collectibles probably before he was driving. And he started the company WADA to basically expand the hobby through grading and certification as well as authentication because they were also able to bring CIB variants and cart only knowledge to the hobby in a legitimate authenticated way so they really expanded the hobby vga really uh, didn't do that very well i think uh, they're great as far as sealed game goes and shrink wrap of course sealing stuff like that case fresh uncirculated but wada chose a niche and i think it tells us a lot because if you look at today's pop report you almost see no cib and cart data so they're kind of holding that close to the chest. That's going to come out later, I assume. But it kind of tells us that the organic demand for video games is still a question mark. So what we can talk about today is trophies. And trophies are basically high-sealed pieces. What is a trophy? I've talked about this. This is my working theory that basically in collectibles, you have three sectors. You have collectibles, investments, and trophies. It's a little different. On the stock market, you basically have preferred stock and common stock. Um, you don't really collect stocks. So you're either investing or you're kind of an insider. Maybe that's what happened on some of this stuff. 
maybe people knew pop reports were going to come out. They knew there was one or two in the world and they were going to drop, you know, six, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand, two million, whatever it may be. And maybe they were comfortable knowing that this trophy didn't have any competition. And I think that's probably what most trophies are all about is top of the pop, no comp diamond hands. You're not going to have one pop out, two pop out, four pop out. And suddenly you're, you're, you're a one of five and you used to be a one of one. So let's look at confirmed trophies from other hobbies. Let's look at comic books. I think that comic books from the outside, I've never dealt them. I've never bought and sold comic books. This is my opinion coming from 20 years, 30 years dealing sports cards and 10 years dealing games. To me, I'm pulling up, a, by the way, if you join cgccomics.com, it's a free membership. You don't have to send your books in. You can just join. And then you get access to the census report. So a pop report is basically a census, a population that refers to the number out there. So it's the number of slabs for that grading company. Remember, there's eight grading companies that have slabbed games. So this does not mean the pop report for video games. It means the pop report for NES sealed games by WADA, the grading company. That's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into that, what are some trophies out there? Well, thanks to the pandemic, we had multiple world records in multiple uh, categories, multiple hobbies. We had the most expensive comic books sold. We have the most expensive sports cards, most expensive football, most expensive hockey, most expensive baseball cards sold. So let's pick out a few of those. Let's look at the most expensive comic book ever sold. $3.25 million Superman number one. Action Comics number one. You pull that up on their CGC 1938. I don't know a lot about variants and all that. I'm just looking at the hard data. It's one spreadsheet. It's about, you know, one page on your PC. Total graded copies, 75. Restored, 31. Universal, 43. Qualified, 1. I don't know exactly what that all means. I have a feeling restored means in gaming, that would be something like taking a black Sharpie. I don't know. Taking uh, a pressing a manual, maybe. We recently saw that on the back of a WADA label it said pressed manual that's something new to gaming i'm not sure if that's on the border of restored or not but maybe that's in the gray zone and i do know you can press comics and i do believe that's not considered restored but like i said the big takeaway from today is that this pop report today that dropped today is already out of date it's a moving target it's an organic organism some people cross wada to vga I think a uh, shout out to Jeff Masser, excellent uh, input because he's a VGA expert. It gives us a new perspective, Sega Genesis expert. He says that he has crossed WADA to VGA. So that means WADA's pop report is not be all end all. And you got to keep that in mind. That's why this episode is not about investing, collecting, what's rare, how many of those are out there. Because as soon as I drop a number, it's out of date tomorrow. We're already one month in. What we can say, about 8,000 games got graded for the first two or three years of WADA in sealed NES. And we can say, well, which one of those were considered trophies? So Superman's a trophy, for sure, in comic books. There's nothing above a 9-4, and that tells you right there. If you didn't have a pop report on comic books, and you were bidding one, two, three, four million dollars on a Superman number one, and you didn't know, and the 9.4 came up for auction, two of two in the world. How would you place your bid? 
you would have to go with emotion. You would have to go with gut and emotion. And I'm not saying those two things aren't bad. I did a lot of emotional investing in 2020, especially during a bipolar episode. I bought a lot of games that I regret. I bought a lot of games I got lucky on. I bought a lot of games that I did okay on. I learned a lot of lessons. Being emotional is how you can be aggressive and play offense. Using your brain is about playing defense. I think that's where we're going. I dropped on Patreon. If you want to support me and buy me a lunch, check out my Patreon page, Game Investing. I dropped a private podcast there about a shift in the market I'm sensing. I'm sensing that we shifted from rarity to scarcity in the pandemic. And I think we are shifting from scarcity to rarity in Q4 2021. Superman Comics, you look at two of two in the world before pop reports. How do you know if that's scarce? How do you know if it's rare? Well, organically, it's rare across the board, but scarcity? Are there two people that can bid $3 million cash? And how do we know there's a 9698999? You know, without a pop report, how do you know if it's scarce? You don't. You're making a gut call. And that's what I'm saying, beer goggles. We've been using beer goggles for a while. We don't know top of the pop on a lot of things like Super Mario World, for example, or of course, anything like a matte sticker, a white bullets. They didn't even show up in today's pop. You know, the really, really, really important rare stuff didn't show up. Um, black box stickers, where are those? Maybe SMB1 and that's it. Maybe one soccer got graded. You know, there's no data there. We're still flying blind in a lot of this. So let's... Let's take what we know. We know that Superman 1 is a trophy. So if you use the Superman rule, you're talking top of the pop 2. That means this 901, and this is restored, you know, is that a trophy? I don't know. The two of twos are restored, and then there's two universals at 90. So I guess there's four trophies. I'm saying two universal and two restored. The universals are 90, the two 94s. Everything else doesn't matter today. I'm not talking about the rest of the pop today. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on to my realm, um, something I'm real comfortable with that I call the Mickey Mantle rule. In baseball cards, which are the backbone of the sports card industry, even though basketball cards took over in 2020, I'm sorry, game doctor, but I'm going to have to take a quick sip of the water. Because this is pirate radio. We don't stop. We don't edit. Well, I might have to in the future. It's just getting crazy. Too much data. So... Baseball cards are the backbone of sports cards. Uh, they weren't 2020 when FOMO took over and, you know, it was all about basketball going to the moon, modern, ultra sealed. Well, not sealed, but sealed boxes, sealed cases, pulling, gambling, speculating, all that crap. You know, it didn't it didn't really matter because at the end of the day, when all the LeBron James and the Mike Trouts and all these one of one manufactured scarcity cards were setting one, two, three, four million dollar records, what happened? They faded away. It just took, you know, it took a few months after that. And what rose, the cream rises to the crop, right? The cream rises to the top. Mickey Mantle and Honus Wagner, they were the like the uh, turtles. They were the turtles. LeBron James, the, the manufactured scarcity cards were the hares. They set the records up front. Didn't happen in video games like that. Black Box Mario pretty much did it the whole way through. But in cards, if you look back late 2021, in a, what I'm calling a bear market that went ballistic in 2020, where do you want your money to be? You don't want it to be in prison. You don't want it to be in modern. You want it to be in old baseball cards, old basketball cards, old football cards, high grade. 
you know? So things changed drastically in the sports card market, which is way bigger than video games. So if that is any barometer of what's going to happen to us, we're going to experience many shifts, many rotations. What's hot today is not going to be hot tomorrow. And in the long run, it seems like rarity now has a place, at least for sealed NES and maybe a little bit of CIB. So Mickey Mantle, he is hands down the trophy in baseball cards. Sure, you can talk about Honus Wagner, but that's an antique. An antique is over 100 years old. If you're talking about things that are over 100 years old, it's a whole nother level. We don't, we don't have that in video games, really. We might have 50 years old soon. I think some of those pieces are, are phenomenal, like the breakout board that Steve Jobs and Wozniak developed. I think that is something like a Honus Wagner piece or maybe Fairchild sealed in box. If you could get a Fairchild system, you know, the guy that developed the cartridge based system, um, that type of thing might be a Honus Wagner. But I don't think we can talk about Mario NES as a Honus Wagner at this point. Maybe sticker seals. I've, I've heard that thrown around with tobacco. You know, stickers are kind of like tobacco. It's hard to say because there's no sealed copies out there. One soccer showed up today in the in the pop report. How do you how do you analyze that? Is that a trophy? It's a 7-0 or something. Is it investment grade? Is it a collectible? It's really hard to say. The thing about it is you need some data to make these separators. And until you have, you know, 10, 20, 30 pieces out there, it's hard to say what a trophy is, you know what an investment in is one a collectible is for mickey mantle it's easy to make the call there's 1464 in the psa pop report three of them are psa 10 gem mint six of them are mint you know psa 9 and then 35 8 76 sevens so the general rule of thumb reserved investments talks about this a lot top 20 percent top of the pop is investment grade i'm toying with the number of 15 point something percent which is something like standard deviations in statistics based on a bell curve, which you can throw out the window at this point because NES isn't really bell curve. Nothing's going to be a bell curve. It's all it's all right-weighted. And I heard in Clubhouse today someone was talking about, well, I think I'm going to start sending in my lower grades. And that's really what we need. We need ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives. And we have that on Mickey Mantle. You know, we have 160 that have graded authentic, which is basically a non-grade. That means someone sends in something that might have writing on it, creased, run over by a car, and they just want it verified as authentic. And remember, grading is not just grading. It's about authentication. Certification refers to a unique number given to that, which you can pull up in a pop report and a future app. And then grading is the numerical ranking with the seal grade. So Mickey Mantle, 160 of them are, are basically PSA authentic. Then you've got 300 ones, no 1.5s, 202s. So you've got a bell curve here. And if I look at it real quick, I'm not doing a, you know, I'm not doing a graph or anything. I would say the median or the middle of the curve is somewhere around threes and fours. So this is a really healthy pop report. You got 1500 total. You've got nine and nine mint or above and the rest are below mint. So it's really easy to say, well, those top three are trophies. Hands down. That's the Mickey Mantle rule. You can't. Well, can you say three divided by 1500? Not really. But let's just see what that comes out to. That's, uh, is that 2% or 0.02? That's 0.2%. So, you know what's funny? This this 0.2% came up before. That has to do with the uh, top of the standard dif distribution curve, which I need to study again. I mean, it's been a long, foggy, several decades since I got my degree in statistics. But there is a category. I think it's three sigma, but... 
the key, if you want to study statistics and understand the pop report and get ahead of the game, study standard deviations. So you've got one, two, and three. And I think those are going to be the levels if we end up with bell curves long run. So you can you can you can get into an investment and think to yourself, well, if this goes bell curve, where is the cutoff between trophy investment and collectible? And you want to be at the bottom if you're doing the Warren Buffett value investing. You want to be at the cheapest, you know, you want to be at the, the bottom of the cutoff between collectible investment if you're investing. But if you're collecting, you want to be somewhere in the middle of the lower range. And we don't know what that is yet. So the Mickey Mantle rule is beautiful because at the top of the pop, you got three trophies. At the bottom of the top, you got, you know, basically PSA authentic one through two. You've got 600 to 700 specimens. And and clearly those are simply collectibles. So that that's a beautiful example of a trophy. This is not about investments, but if I had to uh, throw that into the podcast, we're 25 minutes in. If I had to talk about investments real quick, gut feel, I would say, well, the nines are investment grade. The eights are investment grade. The sevens, probably investment grade. So let's just take that number. Let's take 76, 110, 117. Let's say 120 are investment grade, including the trophies divided by the 1500. So that's 8%. That goes against the reserved investment rule. I would say those are solid investments. So based on the Mickey Mantle rule, a solid investment is top 10%. And then the top handful is going to be your trophy. And I think the magic number that has been really hitting the markets as far as Heritage Signature Rally and all that is top three. It's usually top three. I think five is where you have to question bidding a million dollars. So let's let's take a look at the million dollar Mario. The publicly sold $2 million black box 9.8A plus, which people speculated top of the pop, which is easy to say, okay, that's a 9.8, that's top of the pop. Well, obviously it's a top of the pop for black boxes, but where does that land in terms of variance and overall population when you look at the new NES pop report we see today, dated October 31st, it's out of date. But the thing is, with a trophy, with a trophy, when you're when you're grabbing your sack and you're putting down, and and shout out to Peter who's who said it brilliantly, simple as best is someone has to pay for these games. When you're bidding, you know, one point five million, two million, two point five, three point two five on Superman, four four five six. You're insuring your Mickey Mantle PSA ten for twelve million. You can YouTube that old man. He doesn't get any views. All the views are on the LeBron and 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 you know the modern stuff, but. The old man insured his Mickey Mantle years ago for $12 million and grabbed his sack and bid a hundred grand, you know, a decade ago or something. So when you're bidding cash, seven figures, you got to be able to pay for it. And that's what Peter says. He says, someone has to pay for these games. It's not us in Clubhouse. We don't have seven, eight million dollars cash to throw around and buy a, you know, a Superman, a Mantle and a Mario. So this is probably a safe investment pre-pop, 9.8 plus, right? How many of those do you think are out there? How many 9.8s? I heard rumors that there was five 9.8s overall, maybe six or something. Maybe that was SMB2. You know, it's hard with rumors. You can't remember. Was that SMB1? Was that SMB2? Was that SMB3? No, it's not SMB3. Well, let's look 
at Water Games Pop Report. So if you got the email today, you just click on that. Or you go to the homepage, click on the Pop Report, and I would suggest pulling it up on a big screen and using your keyboard uh, Control Plus to make it as large as possible. Go to the bottom, go to the lower left, and show all. So you can see every single game. It's alphabetized. Go down to Super Mario, and let's look at the data. So we have one, two, three, four, five. We got six variants. If you're new to the channel, I got three rules in video game investing. Number one, learn your variants. Number two, build and treasure relationships. Number three, learn how to horse trade and what your friends want. You get what you give, right? So number one rule, learn your variants. Well, yesterday I had to learn 12 variants. Today, there's only six variants. So what does that mean? That means in the sealed world, it's very different than the CIB and cart and manual world where you can have up to 25, uh, shout out to uh, Leo, um, you know, 25 SMB2 manual variations. I, I don't even want to get into Zelda, 800 combinations across the board. It's scary. So WADA kept it simple. All seal grades are under the same column across the trop. They're doing the exact same pop report as CGC, PSA, Beckett, whoever. No extra columns or clicks for the uh, seal grades. And I heard in Clubhouse, I agree with this. It doesn't even matter. It's so damn short. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter if there's an A, A plus, A plus, plus, B plus, C. That's up to the user. As far as the pop report goes, it's going to get updated and we might get this data later, right? So let's take a look at SMB1, the six variants, where this trophy lands. And let's see, was it worth two million bucks? So back to rule number one, learn your variant. What variant are we talking about here? If you Google Rally 1985 NES Super Mario exited, you can pull up the front picture and there's also a, a close up. So the first thing you want to learn when you when you come to this hobby from other places, the first thing I think to key on is round versus oval and then TM, R and no TM. Those are the five things that can really help you in the hobby. So if you look at the game, if you look at the front of the game, it's really, really quick. Look at the lower right, you see a round. So you know it's a round. That means early. Oval means late. On games that have both a round and, and uh, oval, it doesn't mean one is rarer than the other, although generally rounds are rarer. But some, some stuff today in the pop report, the oval was really, really short compared to the round. The next thing you want to look at for a black box is after the yellow entertainment system lettering, is there a TM or is there nothing there? You can always see a TM next to Mario Bros, but on the entertainment system, when Nintendo was a tiny little company, tiptoeing into America, test marketing this little thing called a Famicom in Japan that they repackaged into a, a little uh, non-video game entertainment device with a robot, they hadn't had the balls to really trademark Nintendo Entertainment System, which went on to save the industry. If you're new to video games, after the Atari crash, the NES single-handedly saved video games forever, pretty much. It really changed the game. The other thing they did was 8-bit art because Atari had incredible artists work on the boxes and people would slam the cartridge in their 2600 and shout at mom, I'm disappointed because the graphics look like crap. So, you know, Nintendo 
they weren't making a retro cover. What they were doing is not disappointing the customer. And if you're familiar with Japanese businesses, the customer is the king. You put the customer on a pedestal and you take care of the customer. And that's what they were doing with this retro art. It's so funny that the NFT industry, full disclosure, I have zero dollars invested in NFTs, crypto. Um, what else is there now? Virtual real estate. I have not touched any of that. A lot of people are going to look at the black boxes and say, oh, man, that's so retro. That's so NFT. That's so crypto. That's so cool. That's so Web 2.0. That's not what this is about. This was about a very um, Japanese company rooted in stuff like playing cards that uh, was not ready to disappoint their loyal customers. And their first loyal customers were scary customers. You don't disappoint those type of people. You can look up the history of Nintendo yourself. You can even look up... Uh, the release of some consoles in Japan that went through controversy during distribution because certain groups, um, I'll just leave it at that. There was controversy and danger. So you don't disappoint the customer and you, you, you tiptoe, you tiptoe into New York city. You do it, you know, right before a holiday season, you see if Americans are going to buy video games again, and we can kind of do a Trojan horse with Rob the robot and the rest is history because those early pieces are priceless now. So what about the rally trophy? Was it a trophy? Yes. Is it still a trophy? Hands down, I thought this was a trophy. Full disclosure, I tried to buy this with a couple other people. We tried to buy it at 300 grand. We tried to buy it at 500 grand. We tried to make a $600,000 offer. We tried to buy this. I kept shouting at my, my buddies that this is the piece in the hobby. And it went on to set the highest public record ever for a video game. And I'm not angry. Well, maybe I am. I I can't afford it. I was going to put in, you know, five or 10 grand maybe and just have, you know, a little piece of it, which I guess would be private fractional trophy hunting. I guess I'm creating new words today, trophy hunting. But anyway, let's get back to the variant. So, you know, it's a round. That means it's early. So there's 12 total. Early is round. Late is oval. And then within the round, the super early, you're never going to find that's going to have no shrink wrap with a little round sticker or ripped little uh half moon up in the you know upper middle and then i don't know if we're going to call mids entertainment system tms I i'm not really sure where we're going to go or first flatbacks i have no idea what mid really means if you heard all my podcasts that's kind of a a term that i have a lot of trouble with i think early and late's easy to understand mid Oh, it's really difficult. And then if you're talking pop report data combined with that, mid is really complicated because flatbacks are probably rarer than your fourth and sixth late rounds. So which one is mid if you're an investor? If you're a collector, it's easy. You can go by timeline. But if you're an investor, you know, you really want to focus on rarity, scarcity, not just early, mid, late. So this is early. Um, hands down early now. Now it's hands down early. And I haven't looked at the pop report, by the way. I have not looked at the pop report yet. I'm doing speculation based upon what I had seen in the market for 18 months, studying it every day. I'm saying this is an early Mario. This has got to be top of the pop. This has got to be the best Mario in the world publicly. I haven't seen any other better piece. And the reason is because it's around. There's also no rev, but that doesn't really matter because I think if it doesn't have the TM after entertainment system, my gut, my brain are saying that's early because I know there's no sealed mat, right? There's no sealed gloss except the one that uh, is controversial that was uh, brought onto Pawn Stars, purchased by a, a coin dealer, a video game shop owner, and the founder of Heritage. 
that was an anomaly. Dennis called it, and I agree with him. It's an anomaly. I don't think we're ever going to see another one. I don't think we'll see a matte sticker above 9.0, which leaves third print. There's no sealed third print. Shout out to one Upped on Facebook and Insta. She told me there's no sealed third print. That's the first shrink wrap nation ride release. Every kid ripped it open immediately. That is probably played into the ground as far as all the print runs go. And then you got fourth and fifth. I think fourth and fifth are no TM. And then sixth maybe is TM. And then seventh is flatback. I'm not exactly sure. I don't have the black box guide. And that's why I say lesson number one, learn your variants. And now we have a new game. Learn your pop report variants. So what you need to do is pull up the water black box guide. And then you need to draw lines and separators between the variants listed in the pop report because it just says hang tab. And I'm now I'm looking at the pop report. It says gloss sticker sealed. That's the one copy that was on Pawn Stars. So that doesn't even matter. The first and second print run don't matter. And then you've got hang tab, which I know would be three, four, five, and six, but you don't have let's say third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, or no TM and TM broken out. So it's just hang tab. So I guess when you look at the pop report, early would be sticker, mid would be hang tab, late would be first flat back all the way to oval. I don't know. I don't know where mid is. It's really hard to say. So now that we know this is a hang tab and it's a no TM after entertainment system, we know it's early. Is there anything better? That's the trophy rule. If you're trophy hunting, your first question is, who's above me? So we look at the 9-8 column. We see a total of seven 9-8s. And looks like the rumor was almost dead on. I think the rumor was like five to eight, six. I can't remember the exact number. But someone was saying there's, you know, there's less than 10 for sure. There's five, six, seven, or eight 9-8s total black box Mario. And they're absolutely right. But here's the kicker. We were right about this trophy. The guy that paid the girl, guy, girl, fractional share, whoever bought this for two million made a good play because there's no matte sticker sealed. There's one nine four gloss. And of all the hang tabs, I could speculate there is zero sealed mint third print, which leaves fourth, fifth, and sixth. And I do believe no TM after entertainment system is something like a fourth, which means this is definitively, as of October 2021, the highest graded hang tab sealed Mario number one on the planet. This is probably the Mona Lisa. This is like Superman number one. This is like, you can't compare it to Michael Jordan because he doesn't have these type of pops it really is action comics type even mickey mantle's hard to compare um we're not going to see 1500 sealed hang tabs graded we might see hundreds come out across all ovals but in hang tabs this doesn't even compare to action comics number one we're at 18 across the board it's very hard to make sense of the pop report because it's mind-blowing Shout out to Dan Rega. I agree. My brain hurts, Dan. You and I are not going to sleep tonight. It's just going to change everything. We're going to start collecting and investing differently. We're confused on what to do with the games we have. We're confused about our watch lists. Um, 
But one thing I know for sure, and that's what this podcast is about, I want to focus on today. It's about trophy hunting. This is a trophy. It was a trophy. It's still a trophy, and it will always be a trophy. So this world record was absolutely on point. And in Japanese, you would say atari. It means bullseye. This was a bullseye record in the hobby. The $2 million that Rally took, the shareholders approved. 72% or something like that sold out the highest graded earlier Mar earliest Mario on the planet until we see VGA or something else. And there's only one of them. So this trophy hunter, there is a 9-6 hang tab below this person. So there's there's two out there if you want to call this a gem mint or a mint grade. If we're going to call 9-4 non-mint, we're going to have to come up with a general term for top of the pop. Uh, this changes everything. This changes the words we're going to use. We're just going to stop using the word game and title. We're going to use slab. We're going to go, there's 18 water slabs. There's 18 slabbed hang tabs. And you're going to say, well, there's, uh, you know, 10 VGA slabbed hang tabs. We're going to have to stop using the word game and title. It's it's misleading when the pops drop and VGA is coming real soon. So basically we can say there's two water mint slabs for hang tab Mario. And that's nothing. That's nothing. So this guy's safe. If another 9-6 comes out, he's still top of the pop. If another 9-8 comes out, he's probably still pop, top of the pop because I'm guessing that hang tab is going to be a fifth or sixth print. I do believe this is a fourth or fifth. I think it's a fourth. This is hands down the best thing in the hobby that I've seen by far. So let's take a look at some other stuff. And by the way, if, um, if you are trophy hunting... Your decision now is to either go for a VGA hang tab that's going to cross at 9698. Um, I can easily say 2 of 18 is trophy. I can't say, you know, the two nine fours are trophies because then you're talking hand pulls. When you're over five, it gets dangerous in the million dollar seven figure range. I don't recommend those type of investments. If you're going to make that type of investment, I say take the money and go buy, you know, five eights across the goal across the board, go buy a Zelda, go buy a Tyson, go buy a, you know, don't put it all into something that's on the border of an investment versus a trophy. So the question in the, the big elephant question in the room is, and I know I have listeners that have some of these games is are oval nine eights trophies. And that is the destructive power of today's pop report. That's really tricky because Oval has been broken down into Oval R and Oval TM, and there's six nine eights, but we do have data. We've got we've got four of seventy-two on oval R's, which breaks down to five and a half percent, and that's not quite a trophy if we use the Mickey Mantle rule or standard deviations. And then if you take the two divided by fifty-six, it's three point five. So an oval TM is obviously rare. We always knew that. We have one on eBay, full disclosure, for $1.5 million. It's uh, one of the two in the world, Oval TMs. If you're looking at Oval TM on its own, yes, a pop two is a trophy. Oval R, one of four, I don't think that's going to shake out as a million-dollar game. Um, I, just don't, I just don't think so because I think there's going to be more hang tabs coming out, and I know there's going to be more ovals coming out. I mean, there probably isn't this month alone. I mean, we're talking this data is a month old already. So 
We're up to seven nine eights total across the board black boxes. If you're coming from outside and you don't know the variance, your first question is, well, how many nine eights are there? Well, for this title, for this game, there's seven. By WADA, what if there's three more by VGA? You're talking a dozen at the top of the pop. And that's why title and game are words that are very dangerous now. You kind of have to use WADA slabs. And then you kind of have to say, is it an oval TM, oval R? Is it a hang tab? You kind of have to go with what WADA establishes industry standard. And this is the value add. This is the priceless secret sauce they brought to the hobby. They brought variant knowledge. This is the secret sauce. This is why it takes so long for them to grade a game. They need to break down all the variants. They need to explain greater notes on the back history of the game. None of the grading companies are doing that. They're just slapping on four sentences at VGA. You know, WADA's doing the homework. They're doing the heavy lifting. They're giving you free data on the front and back of your slabs. And what's my other rule in collecting and investing? Always read the back of the WADA slab or any slab that has information on the back. And read every TM and R you can on the front and the back and the side. Warranty information, dates, made in, where it was manufactured, when it was released. And then cross-reference that with the pop reports. We don't even know what VGA is going to break down, right? Okay. So it looks like the first trophy passed the test. And... I'm going to speculate that if it's a true trophy, like a Mickey Mantle PSA 10 that the old man has insured for $12 million or a Honus Wagner top of the pop that hasn't come on public market for months and months and months, or I don't know which comic book represents that, but the comic book that hasn't come to market, the one that we know is top of the pop, maybe it's a Batman, I think was the rumor. Might be seven or eight million dollars if it came to market. The top of the pop, the thing about trophies, the other test for the trophy is there is no upside. And that's the difference between an investment collectible and a trophy. An investment has a top, it has a ceiling. There's a ceiling there because there's a trophy above you. If there's a trophy above you, you can't beat the trophy, which means the bottom of the trophy is your ceiling. So these oval TMs, those are probably borderline ceiling of investment grade. So you watch those go off and then you know your range between collectible and trophy. That's where you want to look for value if you're Warren Buffett strategy. Okay, you're, you're looking for value within that realm between top of collectible, bottom of trophy. So hands down, this one's safe. This $2 million investment might have been the best investment in video games. I know it was the best investment at $600,000. I know it was a steal at three hundred. dollars I shouted at many people on social media to buy it for a quarter million when Rally picked it up for, what, one forty dollars or something? And, and you could have bought shares. I bought shares. I bought shares at one fifty. dollars You could have bought the freaking trophy at, at a... You know, at a valuation of 150 grand, and you could have done 10, 20x. And today, there is no ceiling. That's what a trophy is. There is no ceiling. It's a Mona Lisa. It it'll come up every two, three, four years, and it'll set a record every single time for the rest of this hobby. Next time, it's going to sell for three. Then it's going to sell for five. Then it'll sell for nine if we keep going like we do. That does not happen on a lot of games. Super Mario 64 is experiencing a bear market because more and more pop is coming out. 
So that doesn't happen on collectibles and investments. But on trophies, if you if you stick with the long run, you're going to be fine. So are there any other trophies out there that I think we should look at to, to really see, well, what's the difference between a trophy and investment grade? Well, let's look at the golden auction record. This game, full disclosure, I do believe we sold in a trio for $85,000 to the dentist. And I do believe the dentist flipped it to the nerdy girl gang. And she timed her exit perfectly on Golden Auction's inaugural blowout, record-breaking, super-marketed, let's see, when was this? I can't remember. It feels like a decade ago, but I think it was late October. I mean, it's only been a couple months. Oh, my. So it's a 9-2-A. You look at it and you go, you, let, let's just, just get in a time machine. Ask yourself, I'm going trophy hunting. I'm looking for something below a million dollars. I want to get a black box round seal. I don't have a pop report. I don't know what's going on. Everybody's freaking out over... You know, everybody at this time was freaking out over seal grades. It's it's only an A. It's not an A plus or an A plus plus, which doesn't matter today. But looking back, it's a whole different ballgame because now we have data. And I haven't looked at the data. I only looked at the 9-8 column so far. So I'm going back to golden auctions. You click on auction, past auction results. You bring up the TCG video game from uh, whenever. Lot number 21, 1985. Okay, so... We let this go for 60, 80 grand. The dentist probably let it go for 1,150. Nerdy Girl sent it to Golden. It goes up for auction and it sets a freaking record. I mean, it sets a big record for anything below a 9,4, period, across the board. I mean, that was before the Zeldas started going off, which I'll talk about next um, on Heritage Signature. I mean, we're talking a big number for a 9,2, and it's only an A seal. Six hundred and sixty thousand dollars all in, and you're talking, you know, three quarters of a of a million dollars if you're importing that into a, a German, Italian, you know, customs declaration, legal VAT paid, etc. Situation like the SM sixty four that went off at Golden that ended up in Germany by a by a billionaire apparently that's anonymous. So, you know, those type of people they're playing it above board. They're paying their twenty percent VAT and the numbers we're seeing over here in America don't even matter. They're paying twenty five percent more probably. So don't always go with your all in number at six sixty. This could be seven fifty. So we're talking a very big number on a nine two A. And the first test, golden. I love it because you got a little magnifying glass. And like I said, the first test, there's the round seal. The second test is look for the yellow entertainment system. There's no TM. That tells you it's early. And you can also read the label. Hang tab, five screw cart. Look at the back of the label. 92A, beautiful hang tab, N-E-S-P-S-M. That gets too technical. If you want to get technical, go pull the uh, water black box guide. So now that I know this is early, you know, I always knew this was early. I know exactly what piece this is. I mean, I actually sold it. but. Uh, I didn't physically touch it, so it was more of a a consignment deal. And by the way, we do do consignment. If you're scared of eBay and uh, you want to throw stuff up anonymously, I'd be happy to help you out. Um, So let's say it's the same as the rally piece. It's in the same category. Watt is calling it hang tab, but for me, it's early hang tab. Golden calls it early production, and I do agree at this point. 
I think in the market, early production, SMB1 is going to gravitate towards hang tab and stickers going to gravitate towards like anomaly. It's going to be like stickers or tobacco cards and hang tabs are like action comics number one and Mickey Mantle cards and stuff like that. But the question is, is this a trophy? Is this a Superman number one in high grade or is this a Mickey Mantle PSA 10? And back then we would say no way. No way. This isn't a trophy. This can't do a million dollars. Well, it did 500 to a million. So now let's look at the pop report. All we got is the hang tab data, and we don't have any data. We got 18 across the board, 165 or less, 570s, 28s, 285s, 290s, 292s, 294s. So it's not a trophy hang tab. A trophy hang tab would be either a nine, either the one of one nine six or the one of one nine eight. It's not a trophy black box because not even a nine eight oval because you've got one hundred and seventeen. No, excuse me, one hundred fifty seven. One hundred. Let's take that magic number. Let's take one point five one 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 hundred fifty seven total black box Mario's times point oh oh two. That's point three. So. I think that's one standard deviation. That tells me that if you're if you're using total water graded slabs and you want to know what a trophy is, you're coming up with 0.3. So that means <laughs> that means we need more data. That means hands down the 98 hang tab is the trophy and the uh unfortunately the ovals aren't, which is kind of scary because we actually have one in our eBay eBay store. And I don't know if we're going to be repricing that as of today. That's that's up to the owner, not me. But uh, yeah, it gets scary. It gets really scary if you paid trophy money for an investment grade game. And I think that's the value I'm trying to give you on this podcast. And I'm trying to make it very clear that a trophy is not even in the same ballpark as an investment grade game. An investment grade game has a ceiling that's set by the trophies. The trophies have an un limited upside it's a matter of timing the market and diamond hands and holding on long run to get your profits you're almost guaranteed profits um that is not the case with an investment grade so this is an investment grade game this 92a that went off for 660 to 700 to 750 it's it's a one of two and there's four copies above it so two 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 six six out of 18 that's not a very good number so there's six hang tabs that are still sealed in wada slabs as of october out of a total of 18 that had been graded which obviously is a is one third right so looking back on the 92a i would say that this investor overpaid for this investment because they paid big money for something that's top 30% of this specific variant. But let's look at overall black boxes. If we say, okay, what's that's where it gets complicated in games. It's really easy in cards to say, well, I'm going to invest in, an, in a PSA 8. I know there's this many 9s and 10s above me. But in games, because of the variance, you tell me. How do we do that analysis now? How do we determine what's above you? You've got a hang tab. It's a 92A. It's not a nine, you know, it's not an A plus, A plus plus, but 
you've got nine, six, nine, eight ovals above you. Are those above you? Are those equivalent? Where's the cutoff? Is the nine, six oval the same as a nine, four? Is it the same as the nine, two? That is the problem or opportunity in game investing. If you can figure out where the separator is on copies above you, in other words, determining that ceiling, then you can find value in that gray zone between the three types of collectibles that I talk about, collectibles versus investments versus trophies. And I think this 92A got a little bit of FOMO on the trophy side. And clearly, in my opinion, this is an investment grade black box. If I was dropping $660,000 into black box hang tabs, I personally, I'm cheap, I'm frugal, I want to diversify, I would pick up one of the 8.0s and I would go for the highest ceiling grade and I would deploy the rest of that money into other positions that were within the realm of investment grade. And if you look at 18 hang tabs out of 157, you could make the argument that every single sealed hang tab is investment grade because as of October, they're, they're top 11.5% of the sealed black box pop. So that's one way you can look at variants. You could say, well, this variant is less than, I want to say 15% or two standard deviations rather than the reserved investment 20% rule because it's safer. If you can find a variant that is top 15% or less of the total graded population for that grading company, or if you can add in your own guesses for the other grading companies, I think you're going to be doing very, very well because I think you're going to get a real good handle on distribution. And that's the other thing that really matters. It's not just about the numbers. It's about the distribution. It's about the shape of the curve. It's about what it's, what else is out there that you can't see. And the assumption is it's going to turn into a bell shape. All the data you can't see is basically under the bell curve. So if you know your percentages, your variance, and you can extrapolate, you know, extrapolate some of the data with the water pop, the VGA pop, you can say, well, I'm comfortable investing in variants that are less than, you know, 15% or less than 10% of the total graded print runs. I think that's that's a little rule that I just made up right now. And, and that's why we do these podcasts. We learn together. So I think um, I'm not saying this is a bad investment, this 92A. I'm just saying that this might take some time to marinate and mature because we don't know how many 92A pluses, 92A plus pluses, 94As, 94A pluses that are going to come out in the long run. So um, let's take a look at probably one more game. We, we're an hour in now. The podcasts are going to be long and long and long and long and longer because of this data. I love data. Um, my life has meaning now. You know, nine years grinding my damn statistics degree, partying my ass off down at UCSB actually has a little bit of value now. You know, I, I learned something today. Um, I need to study the books. I didn't study very much when I got my my damn degree back then. I changed my major six times and I studied Asian studies, Japanese, economics, accounting, finally ended up with a stats degree. But 
I'm happy to share what I know. And um, let's take a look at Zelda. She's mysterious. She's complicated. She's deep. She's beautiful. She's got a beautiful gold presentation and one of the most significant video games of all time. This this could be argued as, you know, another Mona Lisa when you talk about Miyamoto being an auteur in video games, a hippie that was, you know, hired by Nintendo not as a coder, not as a designer, but as an artist. He came over into the video game industry from uh, art, from drawing, from sketching, not from technology computers like most of the uh, Silicon Valley crowd that started the industry over at Atari. Miyamoto was a different breed. He brought storytelling. He brought designing. He brought uh, premeditated um, game design to the industry, to the hobby. This could be considered on the level of the Mona Lisa. It's hard to say if you want to talk about collecting Miyamoto as an auteur where do you place his masterpieces? Obviously, Super Mario Brothers is historically more significant. It is the most significant title because NES saved the day. But in terms of hitting his stride, you know, if you want to collect a Van Gogh or a, a Mona Lisa or a, a specific artist, you don't always go for the rookie painting. That's not really, I think, what holds the most value. It's not the last painting. It's not the first painting. I don't know much about art, but it always has multiple factors. And it obviously historical is one of them. But when we take a look at Zelda, it's not the first game. It's not the last game. It's definitely an early Miyamoto game. It's, it's something that I think has the most blood, sweat, and tears in terms of the art of video game development. I hope to get Tim Schafer on this show someday. Um, I'm so lucky to have went to high school with him and actually went to his house one time as a kid in the 80s growing up on 8-bit Atari PC when we would uh, pirate cassette tapes and five and a quarter floppy disk and share games and, and the rich kids could buy cartridges, slam them in and play them in a minute. It took five minutes to load on cassette. It took, you know, at least a minute to load on disk. It never loaded perfectly every time. And then when the floppy disks took over cassettes, the reason was stuff like Ultima, which, you know, Zelda has roots in, the RPG. That happened because of the technological advancement on more data storage. So you had games that went to two disks, three disks, four disks, five disks. You had some games that came on 12 disks by the time you got on three and a half inch. I think Windows came on multiple disks. So things were very different during the time that Miyamoto was a young buck with long hair coming out of college, not knowing what to do with his life. He joins this little company in Japan, probably when everyone wanted to join Sony or Toyota, bigger companies. Nintendo was not on that level. Nintendo is not really a top tier, uh, quote unquote, investment grade company. Like when we talk about Wall Street companies over here, people that you know, in the olden days would want to work for IBM or General Electric. Um, Nintendo would be more like your little company, maybe, maybe even a startup, you know, maybe Nintendo of America was a startup for sure. So these guys put blood, sweat and tears and passion into Zelda. These guys, you know, they work 12 hours a day. They did it two years straight. 
some of them became alcoholics. Some of them never saw their families. Some of them slept at the at the office. Um, they were pumping out art left and right, drawing, sketches, recoding, music. This is a masterpiece, hands down. Of course, I'm biased, but I recently sold out. So full disclosure, I don't have a lot of money in Zelda anymore as, as long as this big deal goes through. It looks like I've sold out all my big Zelda pieces. So I'm I'm out of the Zelda game for now. But I'm still biased because, uh, full disclosure, I think this is one of the few NS NES games I played as a drunk college kid in the uh, mid to late 80s. It's hard to remember. I, I know I played Punch-Out. I, I think I played Punch-Out in this one on my buddy's NES when the, during the summers when we came back or break up in NorCal. Um, I'm looking at the Zelda that went off at Heritage. And... I haven't looked at the pop report yet that dropped today if you're if you're listening to this in the future i'm looking at the zelda that was basically the first zelda trophy that uh came onto the market the public market that is it was in a heritage signature it was marketed into the catalog it was it was a piece that pre-pop asked the question am i a trophy or am i investment grade and I heard valuations everywhere from half a million to two million dollars. Get the Greg Games predicted two million on this. Uh, I think uh, Josh Byerly might have uh, waffle-footed this around a million. I think conservative guesses were in the five hundred thousand dollar range, which, which is close to what the hammer price was because it it was seven oh five all in. But if you take, you know, if you take 700 divided by 1.2 and you're looking at this from Europe, you know, you're putting in a bid 550 to 6 and you're thinking I want to be in below a million, which tells me the market said this is stretching the ceiling on investment grade and we are seeping into trophy country because we're blind. We're completely blind on Zelda. All we have is a 9-4 singer which you can Google WADA Hawaii collection or Google WADA Hawaii singer. Beautiful webpage there. Thank you, Dennis and Kenneth, for uh, sharing that find. You can see the actual 9-4 Zelda. We can call that an anomaly. But actually, that's called a warehouse find, an attic find, a garage barn find. If you're into muscle cars, that was a true find as opposed to an anomaly like the... Uh, like the Super Mario that was found in a desk after Heritage Signature went off in the pandemic. I can't remember which one. Was it SMB1? Maybe. I think it was a black box. That was an anomaly. But this was a fine. The 9-4 was a fine. So we know that's a trophy. It's got the lore, the history, the significance, the popularity. It's got everything. It's got the high grade, certification, etc. We know the 9-4 is a trophy. But the question is, is there 9-2s, 9-0s, 8-5s? A, a pluses, A plus pluses. This is an 80A that went for 700 to a million, depending on sales taxes. Is this a trophy? I would say before the pop report, I would say, man, I would say I didn't know. I thought about this a lot and I thought there's probably three to five, eight O and above sealed and water slabs. But I don't know about VGA. And I know there's a lot of VGA sealed Zeldas. Because I saw the pop report. It was dated like three years 
I think it was dated 2018, 19 or something. And that's that's that scares me. That data scares me because it's in the bell curve. It's in the theoretical bell curve, but I can't see the damn data. And I don't know what a VGA 85 means. I sent in a pristine Fortnite that was locked in a glass case for years up in Washington near the Xbox headquarters where people respect their Xbox games, including the stores. It's not PlayStation country. It's Xbox country up there in Bellevue, Washington. And it got a straight 85. There's a, a, a video of it on YouTube. I, I, I videoed all the sides. You tell me, why is that an 85? It's pristine. It's a 9.4A plus or higher in my book. I don't see any scratches, dents, rips, nothing. So the Zelda TM, the Zelda No Rev, the Zelda Circle Seal Pop in VGA slabs kind of scares me. And if I think about that pop, if I put the two pops together, I bet, I'm betting there's a dozen copies that could grade out to 8A or higher, which makes this a non-trophy, which makes this, you know, um, investment grade. So let's get into it. How much of an investment grade? Where, where in the investment grade? Rule number one, learn your variance. So you go to Heritage, you have to sign in, you click on the picture, then you go to the sign-in page, and then you'll be able to click on the picture again. And on PC, or you can use your finger on your phone, you can zoom in. So you see at the top of the water level, no Reve. That's the first thing. The first thing you notice is it's a round seal. And for me, the second test is after Entertainment System. It's the same rule as Super Mario that we just went over. You look for a TMR or nothing after system. And in this case, you see the TM that verifies it's early. And in fact, that verifies its first print on Zelda, not on Super Mario. That's just for Zelda right now. Um, you can look at the back. You can look at the beautiful H seam across, which tells you Nintendo factory ceiling, first party H seam, no greater notes. That's another tip if you're new to the hobby. Always look at the back of the water label. Always, 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 always look at the section in the middle called grade details and always, always, always check your ceiling, check your notes, look for things like faded, cut, mold, whatever it may be, pressed manual on CIB. It could be anything there. Make sure it could be inserts on CIBs. Make sure, and it could be ceiling, H-seam, RTB, left, right, back, bottom, top. Look for all that. Learn your variants. So this is a first print. Heritage calls that first production. Now, what does the WADA pop call that? Okay. You go to WADA games, you pull up the pop report, you expand it, you go to T. Actually, you go to L. You don't go to Z, you don't go to T, you go to L for Legend of Zelda. If you go to Z, you're going to get a different Zelda. So you go to Legend of Zelda, expand that, and here we got the pop report. Oh man, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this puppy. I'll look at the CIB later. This this uh, podcast is all about trophies. Is the 8.0 first print Zelda went off for, let's say, a three quarters of a million dollar a trophy? Well, okay. It's funny how TM's at the bottom. So it looks like the variance, the first letter with the, the first lesson with the, the variance on NES pop report is that 
it's not complete. So I know that, and by the way, it's boxes. When you're talking about sealed, you're talking about box variants, not manuals. SMB2 has 25 manuals. Legend of Zelda has 10 or 12 or something. Um, boxes, I think there's 10, maybe 11 or 12. I can't remember. But on the pop report, there's one, two, three, four, five. There's only six. And it's not chronological. It's, I guess it's alphabetized. R, Reve, Oval, oh, okay. Hmm. I guess it's alphabetized and the more information would come later. So S-O-Q-R with a comma would come after S-O-Q-R and S-O-Q-T-M comes after S-O-Q-R, S-O-Q, S-O-Q straight comes after Oval T-M. That doesn't make any sense except that round R comes after O. So it's alphabetized. So that's the first lesson on the NES pop report as far as variance goes is that it's not chronological and you cannot see all the variants. Beware, 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 beware. So first print is actually last print, the last printed line of data on the pop report. And there's only three sealed copies in the world as of Halloween. Holy moly, criminy shit. Okay. So if you look at that data, you could jump out of your seat and say, holy shit, I got a trophy for less than a million bucks because I'm top three using the Mickey Mantle rule. But what did I say? What did I say before I looked at this data? I said, I'm scared of the VGA data. So yes, if you're talking about a WADA slab trophy, and you're ignoring the seven other grading companies. I, you know, IGS, CGC, VGA, CAS, um, RCG or something, and then there's uh, UKG, and then there's Player One. You got all these companies. Have they graded any sealed TMs? I don't know, but I do know VGA has. So if VGA is graded two, you're talking one of five. If VGA is graded uh, seven, you're talking one of ten. So Clearly, the first inclination that this is a trophy is wrong. It's not a trophy because of ghost data. And by the way, the VGA data might have been crossed to WADA. So this is where you're going to have to make your own decision as an investor. And that's why I'm focusing on trophies today. Focusing on investment grade is complicated. That's going to take hours and hours and hours of podcasts. Hours and hours. And all I can really do is provide separator theories theories of the ceilings and the floors so what's the floor on trophy zelda well obviously the nine two one of one the nine four one of those are trophies those are wada trophies hands down one of ones man there's a nine two out there the question is how many vga copies will cross nine two or higher and seal grades by the way throw them out the window sorry dan riga seal grades don't mean anything on zelda tm first print it doesn't matter. If you got a 9-2, you got a trophy. If you got a 9-2-C, uh, hmm, can you have a 9-2-C? I would say a 9-2-B plus is a borderline trophy. It's going to be a million-dollar game someday. I'm saying that, yeah, a 9-2 Zelda TM long run 10 years later, if there's only three in the world graded 9-2 and above and one of them happens to be a B-plus ceiling, I think we might see our first B plus, you know, million dollar game, unless it's a White Bullets Tyson, which I don't think there's any on the planet, or 
a matte sticker Mario comes out at like, I don't know, 8B plus, and it's a one-on-one. I mean, that's when it gets exciting. That's when the pop report gets really exciting because you can start blowing away these theories people have had for the last 30 years. Oh, if it's an A or lower, it's worthless. It's it, nothing. It's not investment grade. Wrong. I can I can see right here. If this 9-2 is a B plus, it's a one of one, top two in the world, Wada slab, it's a freaking trophy. And it's not. Ha it doesn't have a ceiling, but maybe it's probably more like an A plus. You know, the 9.4 is probably an A+. plus. So these are hands-down trophies. The question is, is there VGA 85 pluses? Is there 85 straights? Is there 80s? Is there 80s that can squeak into 9.2 B+, plus or 9.2 A? You tell me, Dan. I don't know. You tell me, where's that third piece? If we're using the Mickey Mantle rule, it's the VGA 95 when then we're done. Where does the VGA 90 land? Does that knock out the 92? I mean, the 9.2? You know, Zelda's complicated. Like I said, she's complicated, deep, beautiful. She's complicated. We don't know. But we do know this. The 8-0, just like the 9-2-A trophy that we thought went off for 660 at Golden. This was a little bit of FOMO, but then again, get the Greg said it should have done 2 mil. And clearly, he thought it was a trophy, and... I'm sorry if you add all the data together for all eight grading companies. Unfortunately, this Zelda 8A is not a trophy. And that's my opinion. I'm speculating on data that's old, dated October 31st. Um, I don't see the situation getting any better, though, because there's 090s, 085s, and those boxes could fill up with VGA crosses for sure, which means the 8O is going to what are we going to use? It doesn't drop in value. It slides. It slides down the bell curve. That's what happens. And that's what you want. That's today's lesson. Don't invest in a piece that could slide down the pop report. And that might happen with the 8.0 Zelda as soon as we get an 8.5, a 9.0, another 9.2. That slides really way down. Right now it's top three in the pop report, but it could easily get bumped to top five, six, seven. Um, depending on new data. So this is really exciting. We've got we've got all kinds of stuff we learned today. Let's go over what we learned. The most important thing we did learn is variant knowledge, right? We learned that the variants in the pop reports are not the same variants that are listed on the back of the labels. Uh, the stuff we talk about all day long. Um, this is this is a case back game. That's a case back game. You got you have to relearn your variants based on alphabet alphabet of the order that they're presented on the Water Games website. That is a very important lesson learned today. We also learned that paying over a half million dollars for a potential trophy is a very speculative, risky game. And now, obviously, that's not going to happen with NES. So you can see that as an opportunity or something to play defense with. There's a lot of ways to interpret that. If you happen to know the VGA pop report, you could probably take advantage of that. You could probably sell into the market that thinks it's shorter than it is. And that's the overall lesson is that when you see the data, assume that it will become a bell curve. You have to assume that these numbers are out of whack. This is not the pop report that you are going to be using when you sell your games 
or your kids are going to be using to sell their games that you will them or the company that you run is going to sell your positions in a year, two, three years. This is not the pop report that you are going to be using. It is an organic being. It's going to, it's a blob that's going to become a bell curve. So you have to fill in the dots yourself, which means now the VGA pop report is paramount. It's probably the most important thing in the hobby right now for NES, unless WADA is going to be updating this daily, like PSA or whatever, unless this data is going to start becoming live and we can see changes on the fly. And the other wild card that we always mention in Clubhouse is what about all those VGA empty slabs that were crossed? Phantom data. And that happens in PSA. I heard that there's a ton of cards in PSA's pop report that have been slabbed. I, I feel like there was a rumor there's been cards that have been slabbed a hundred times over again. Just over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And this isn't crossing. This is regrading. Cracking it out, sending it back in. Cracking it out, sending it back in. Cracking it out, sending it back in. So that's the other lesson is it's the most important pop drop in the hobby, but it's already outdated. It's inaccurate. It's a moving target. It's not a bell curve. It's not normalized yet. We can't use legitimate statistics to analyze it. You can't say top of the pop definitively. You don't know if something really is a one of one, one of two, one of five. So I think the best we can do is speculate on two separators. The first one is the ceiling on collectible, which is the floor on investment grade. And then the ceiling on investment grade or the floor on trophies. And then once you have those separators, you ask yourself the simple question, are you collecting? Are you investing? Or are you hunting a trophy? You do that for each target you come up with. And this is after you napkin out what you want in your portfolio. Do you want a couple trophies, a hundred investments, and then a thousand collectibles? Or do you want one trophy and you're done? Do you want a hundred investment grade in different platforms? Do you want no trophies like me? And you just want to deal in collectibles and dabble in investment grade. There's all different ways to play that. I think that's what we can do with the pop report. We can start to see the ceilings and the floors. Theoretically, if there's a bell curve based on the brain and the spreadsheet, along with the gut filling in the blanks with the VGA, et cetera, pop reports that are coming. CGC said they're going to drop there six months after. And I know there's going to be a rush of games there. That's going to be good to have three pop reports. And then finally, are you playing offense or defense? If you're playing offense, you want to push that ceiling. You want to get into a bidding war. You want to push that ceiling. You want to set a new all-time high. You want to set a record. You want it to be public. You want new data in the media to basically bring up that title, that game across the board, not that slab specifically but also that slab. 
That's what you want to do on offense because record breakers rule the market. If you're playing defense, which I'm speculating we are rotating into now, we are rotating out of scarcity, which is based on demand into rarity. Now that we know what rarity is, you know, seal grade rarity, box rarity, sealed rarity, grade rarity, water rarity, organic rarity. We can talk about that on a different podcast. If you want to play defense into rarity, then you're looking for the floors, not the ceilings. You're looking where is the value at the bottom of the investment grade spectrum where I don't have a lot of competition and I'm not going to get in a bidding war on? Where can I find that rarity that's not on the radar that I think is investment grade, but people kind of think it's like a high collectible today? So I think if you use those theories, you're going to be fine. If you, you use those three groups, they figure out where you're going, you should be fine even though this data isn't, let's say, accurate across the industry at any given moment because life is now. It's not tomorrow. It's not the past. And there are no guarantees. So we're all speculating, right? We just got better glasses today and it's fun because... I'm blind. I've always been blind and I've been running blind, buying, oh, I've been buying hundreds of games. I've been buying black boxes recently and I can't even find them in the pop report. So I'm going to still keep running blind. So keep hunting, my friends. Stay hungry for games, my friends, and try something new. Try something in the pop report and then try something not in the pop report and then try filling in the blanks with maybe a VGA speculative call on the data. Don't worry if you make any mistakes. The more games, the more slabs, the more data, the more bids, the more buying and selling you do, you're on your way to becoming a master.